This is Bonafide Ministry. Well, hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, February the 8th, 2022. Been a while since I've recorded a podcast, but I think it's about time that I get back at it. Talking about Bonafide Ministry and Good Faith Ministry. Oh, boy. I got to tell you, the last few weeks have, have been something else. I have spent probably every day the last three weeks or more at the critical care waiting room with one of our members' families. She had contracted COVID and it just didn't go well. Yesterday, she finally went to be with the Lord. Um, We were hopeful that she would recover. We were prayerful. Uh, However, God had other plans and... She's healed, but not here on earth with us, but in the kingdom of heaven with God our Father. I've got a few observations, however, about ministering in a critical care waiting room. It all started out when she contracted COVID at the, probably around early December, and it wasn't too long that she went from you know, just being cared for in the COVID ward to being in critical care and they had her on a CPAP and then they had her on a BiPAP and eventually she was put on a ventilator. Visiting with her during several of those uh, stages uh, on the CPAP and the BiPAP she was awake and alert and would talk to us uh, but you could tell she was you know she was really struggling and finally the decision came to put her on the ventilator with the hopes of taking some extra measures so that she could get better. During that time, the family, if they weren't in the room, they were often in the critical care waiting room. And I would sometimes spend 30 minutes with them. Sometimes I think the longest I spent with them was four or five hours. It just, it was up and down. But while we were in the critical care waiting room, on a few occasions, um, there was this one day when I was getting ready to leave, uh, the lights were off in the waiting room, so it was sort of dark. But as I was leaving, uh, someone called to me that was on the other side of the waiting room, and it was an acquaintance of mine, and I went over to talk to him, and, you know, he told me why... He was there. He was there to support a friend who was um, who was not doing well, but who was uh, declining and 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 going to pass. And so I asked him and those with him if if we could if we could just pray. And you know I I prayed for them, not knowing anyone but the acquaintance of mine, but uh, prayed for those folks and their loved ones. And you know, afterwards, one of the men of that party, he told me there couldn't have been better timing and that they really needed that. And he was very appreciative, you know, and I left and, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, God is really marvelous as to how he puts us where he needs us when he needs us there. Then there was another occasion when I was up at the critical care waiting room on a different day. And we were we were seated there just talking and stuff and 
all of a sudden on the overhead we hear this beep and a nurse calls code and the room that she had called was next door to the room of the person I was there for and I happened to catch it because when they called the code one of the sisters immediately started scrambling and I grabbed her arm and I said no 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 they said this number not this number and you know and she you know we were thankful for that but after they called code it wasn't too long after that we hear someone in the hallway crying weeping lamenting very loud and so the two sisters of the lady in the hospital go out to her and I follow them and it was the wife of the gentleman who had coded and she was she was very very upset you know and so we we go to her and we you know we comfort her and you know she wants to go back into where her husband is but the doctors and nurses are working on him and so a nurse comes out and asks do you want us to do everything in our power to save him and she yes she was shouting yes through her tears and and her cries so we were in the hallway at that time so I go and I got a chair and I pulled the chair up for her cuz she was she was pretty weak in the in the weak in the you know in standing and we didn't want her to pass out so we seated her and and the two sisters are there with her trying to comfort her one's rubbing her back and you know I just I said a prayer um and we were there with her. She was all by herself. And it wasn't too long. And family started, her family started to get off the elevator. And so we told them what had happened. And they took her and they went in the waiting room. And the rest of us came out in the hallway just so they could have time. And it wasn't too long. And the doctor and a nurse come out. And they they notify her that her husband had passed away. And as as horrible as that was i i can't help but think you know god had us there for her in that moment when she was all alone and you know it didn't change the outcome but at least she wasn't by herself in those moments then there's another day in that critical care waiting room where seated behind us in the corner was a lady who was crying uh, her husband had just been put on the ventilator and she was there with her daughter, her son-in-law, and she was very upset. And, you know, a lot of these people that we are having dealings with, we didn't really know them other than they were up on the waiting room because of their loved one. But the lady who was behind me crying on another day, um, one of the hospital staff came in to talk to her who knew her and she happens to to attend Glendale Road where I minister and so she you know she walked past us to go to the lady and then she came over and I stood up and was talking to her and and she asked me if I knew her friend and I told her that I didn't she said well, would you mind to say a prayer I, not at all I don't mind at all so she brought me over and introduced me and um, you know, I knelt down and asked, you know, what her husband's name was, and she told me. And I had a prayer for her and for her family and for him. 
and every day after that, we would we would see her coming and going sometimes in the waiting room and and we'd always ask how her loved one was how her husband was doing and she would tell us and she would ask the family about how their loved one was doing and then it just so happened that throughout this uh, this ministry in the waiting the critical care waiting room that another family was there with their loved one on a ventilator with, uh, due to COVID. And so you, you come to know these people when you're there day after day after day, and you get to know them because of a shared struggle. And it's been really remarkable how, you know, each of the families have leaned on one another, how they've prayed for one another, talked to one another, and all those things. And it just goes to show that even when you are, even when you are in a difficult spot, there are people sharing the grief with you because of their own spot. And it can definitely be an encouragement, mutual encouragement. You know, I think about the passage from scripture of the psalmist when the psalmist says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit I am personally convinced that one of the ways that God is near the brokenhearted happens to be through his people um, you know being there with this family on a daily basis that was one way God was near the brokenhearted. These other families who we ministered to and who ministered to us, that is how God was with the brokenhearted. We had been prayerful and hopeful for this member. Her name is Angela. We had been prayerful and hopeful that Angela would recover. Um, we were, the family was looking at options I almost regard myself as a member of the family because I was there with them so much. And, you know, in the sense of the church, we are family. The hope was for Angela to get to a point and they would do a tracheotomy and then transport her to another facility that could, that could care for a long-term COVID patient. The hope was to go to a hospital in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's the Jewish hospital in Louisville. And they have had an 86% success rate of weaning COVID patients off of ventilators. That was the hope. But Angela had to be stable for a couple of days in her, in her vitals and her oxygen levels and stuff before they could do the tracheotomy, which was a risky procedure of its own. Um, However, over the weekend, uh, things, things took a turn for the worse. About midnight, Friday, uh, one of Angela's lungs collapsed. And then Sunday during services, the other lung collapsed. And so chest tubes were inserted uh, each of those times, and her lungs were 
inflated again. But then uh, yesterday, Monday, the uh, the call was made by the doctors that you know she is, she's ineligible for a lung transplant, and her vitals are are starting to starting to take a bad turn. So the call was made to provide comfort measures. And so the family agreed to this and, you know, she was kept comfortable. But because her numbers, you know, kept kept getting worse, uh, it was it was it was pretty evident that either that day, yesterday, or a day or two, you know, she would she would pass. And so you know, the family came, they sat in the room with her, and, you know, I left yesterday to go do some other things, and in the afternoon, I got a text from one of my co-ministers, and she had passed away. So, probably, at least for this family, for the final time yesterday, I go, I go back to the hospital and meet them up there and hug them, just love on them. And these are people, you know, <clears throat> that you <clears throat> that you truly care about and love, uh, because you get to know them as a minister, and, and they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. So they're family in that sense. You get to really bond with them, especially over something like this. The thing that had everybody worried, of course, the the, the the primary worry was for Angela to recover, you know, her health. That was a primary worry. But a secondary concern was her daughter, uh, who happens to be a young lady with special needs. You know, how would she take this? How would she process this? And so we, you know, some of the family had spoken with uh, the school counselors, and they knew that you know, she really, she really took to me and to one of the other co-ministers and a few other people. And so we were all brought in, uh, in, in, a, in a sort of a supportive role. And so yesterday, you know, they let her stay at school. They didn't want to take her out of school. And so uh, another relative met her when she got off the bus and took her to McDonald's and, you know, uh, took care of her. And then after we all left the hospital yesterday, we went to uh, Angela's mother's house, Judy. Uh, Judy is in her late 70s, and so, you know, she's, she's, now, she's now having to do something that no parent should ever have to do. But we all go back to the house, and Angela's daughter is there, and you know, we, we play it cool like nothing big has changed, and her aunts and uh, cousins and her grandmother, they all go into a, 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 they go into a room and they, they do, you know, they sit down and do a crisscross applesauce kind of meeting. And, you know, one of her aunts, Tammy, she asked her, you know, what's your favorite place on, on the earth? And she said, the beach. And so... Uh, now, I wasn't in there, but Tammy told me about this. But she said, you know, 
you know how you love the beach and how fun it is and how beautiful and all that good stuff. She said, well, your mommy has gone to heaven, which is kind of like the beach, except it's a lot greater. And Kaylee, Angela's daughter, she, she asked if her mom died and they told her yes. And she, she seemed to, she seemed to handle it very well. Uh, we believe she understands. We believe that, uh, she's going to be okay. And, you know, she's going to make it through this a lot better, I believe, than many of us anticipated. But you think about the different families at the different times over the past month or so. And from what they were saying last night, Angela had been in the hospital for 58 days. But over the last month or so, you know, God opened doors to minister, not only to these loved ones of the congregation where I preach, but also to other families. So what's the point of all this? It's, it's not to give a talk about COVID or not. I think everybody by this time in the game probably has their mind made up one way or the other. But it is to say that, you know, life is fragile and we're never guaranteed tomorrow. But also, even in the throes of horrible circumstances, God is still able to use us not only to minister to others, but to allow others to minister to us. So for the past month, we've been spending a lot of time in the critical care waiting room at our local hospital here. And we've been able to be ministered to, and we've been able to minister as well. Though the family was there for their loved one, Angela, it was always amazing to see how when others were hurting, they would go and care for them and love on them, sometimes not even knowing them. And I can only attribute that to a large part to our faith in Jesus, you know, to look upon the least of these and to care for them because now we can be counted, they can be counted as the least of these. God has been good throughout all this, and while this isn't the outcome we had hoped for, we can say with great confidence that Angela is healed. She is now in the kingdom of God with her Savior. She is COVID-free.